need to vision a community. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to create diversity in thought without creating division and community. I am Matt Fisher. I'm the care pastor here at Hill City, where we record this and every episode of the podcast. And I am here with my co-host, John Wagler. John, how are you feeling? Are you angry today? (laughs) Are you ready for anger? Well, my voice is deeper today. Yeah, you sound. I sound more podcast worthy. (laughs) Allergies, cold, COVID. What are you infecting? Uh, You know, Ruby has a cold and I'm, I'm been fighting it for like four days or so. It's like, it's one of those uh, that are just, it's like hovering in the mm, same spot. Yeah. You know, I'm not getting better or worse. It's one of the reasons that my wife has this weird thing where she like refuses to take like um, emergency mm-hmm. or like airborne or whatever. She's like, it just postpones it. It doesn't, it doesn't help it get better. <laughs> She's like, I'll just start. And then the second I stop, I'll get the cold that I was getting anyway. Yeah. Energy feels good. And so it just, yeah, yeah. it's all in your head. Well, hopefully you're not like me and on, I'm now almost about to take my last uh, my last dose of antibiotics after being on steroids for eight days and now antibiotics for six days <laughs> and still coughing, quite honestly. Uh, so maybe this is just who I am now. Yeah. I'm just... This is your future and yeah, present. Yeah. I th- again, I think I'm just like Doc Holliday. Like I have TB. <laughs> I'm going to have to move west to drier air, possibly become a gunslinger and a gambler. And I feel like I'm ready. Yeah. I feel like I'm pretty good at I mean, cards. you kind of look like like if we were going Tombstone, I mean, you could fit in there. Yeah, like if, if you were a cat. <laughs> I totally, like kind of snarky, you know. I don't know that I have his confidence, but I could get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be a huckleberry. Um, so today on Stay Curious, we are going to be talking about, is this our fourth core emotion? Fourth, yes. Fourth core emotion, which is that of anger. Yes. Um, and since we're going to be spending the whole time talking about anger and because we are just releasing these like back to back after months of not podcasting, um, we're probably going to keep it fairly concise and we're going to skip stay furious. Yeah. I think seems fair since we're just going to (laughs) talk about being furious or, or trying not to get furious, um, for the whole episode. Um, but, uh, if you don't know what's going on or you're just now joining the series, we are talking about the eight core emotions from Chip Dodd's book, Voice of the Heart. Yes. Um, and we are on anger. This is sort of supplemental material in some ways to the sermons from uh, the past few Sundays and will continue to be that. Um, so if you haven't listened to those messages, it would be worth it to go back and listen to them. Um, but if you don't, I think you'll be able to keep up with what we're talking about. Totally. For sure. Yeah. So without too much more ado, we will take a quick break um, and then come back and talk about the core motion of anger. Y'all know we stay curious over here. Here, 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 So we took a quick cough break where we could both <laughs> cough, clear our throats, be sick, and now we're back. John Wagler, you gave a do we not like the word sermon? I still like the word sermon. Message, I, I speaking, like sermon. engagement. I don't, we don't want to. You know, it's funny. Like, I think maybe that makes me angry. Is uh, why do we want to throw everything out all the time? Yeah. Do you like, know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, you're talking to the guy who, when I first started working here, I'm pretty sure referred to our lobby as the Narthex, <laughs> and I still get trash for that. <laughs> um, so I'm with it. Uh, but yeah, so the sermon from this past Sunday was about anger. Um, Really quickly for everyone mm-hmm. who maybe missed it or would like to be reminded, 
tell us about how each emotion has what is it it's a gift, gift and, and a, an impairment and an impairment yes. what is the gift and the impairment of anger the the impairment of anger is pride and and or depression yeah so pride slash depression yes okay. and then uh the gift of anger is passion oh that's good yeah so the way Chip talks about it in the book is essentially that anger is one of the most important message, um, emotions that we have mm-hmm. because it's what leads us when processed properly and engaged properly. It mm-hmm. leads us to authentic, passionate life. Mm. Whereas if we stay in a state where we don't process our anger, um, essentially we're robbing ourselves of feeling that passion for life. Yeah, it's kind of like a car with no fuel in it. Like anger yeah. is in some ways can be a fuel toward passion. I really like this quote from the book, which you shared on Sunday. It says, in truth, anger is possibly the most important feeling we experience as emotional and spiritual beings because it is the first step to authentic living. It shows our hunger and yearning for life. Mm -hmm. I really like that. Yeah. Um, And I like the idea that it leads toward authentic living. I think that's why a lot of us maybe struggle with it because authenticity now more than ever is like so important. You hear about that as like being one of the top values for like millennials and I don't know about Gen Z, but um, this idea of like, I don't want to go to this restaurant or shop at this store or watch the show or listen to this artist because it doesn't feel authentic. It feels fake. Right. And so like the search for authenticity is a huge deal, at least for folks in my age group, but I think for everybody really. I think so. Isn't it interesting, though? Um, this might be pessimistic, but isn't it interesting that it feels like that vulnerability, authentic element? Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like also people are leveraging that for status. Yeah. 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 Well, Do everything. We... I mean, John, capitalism turns everything <laughs> against us. So <laughs> the system was like, oh, you guys like authenticity? Let right. me sell you this this thing called Instagram where yeah. you can just like peek into anybody's life. And it's so, you know, but and then it just becomes false. Yeah. And another another mask that we wear, right? I know. But the core desire was still, I think, authenticity. And yeah, like for the sure. idea yeah. of anger uh, pushing us toward that or like being a, a route to that. I like the the analogy you used of anger being like the check engine light. Yeah. And if you ignore it, eventually you'll have a breakdown. Yep. Because that's really like when you talk to people about depression, it's a breakdown. You have it, They used to call it, you know, back in the day, they called it a, a nervous breakdown. Yeah. Uh, a depressive state yeah the depression part is interesting i think with anger because it's typically simply associated with sadness Mm -hmm. you know and i think that would be good to hear your perspective a little bit and how that might tie in Mm. um just you know your own personal story along with depression but you know when i first read it as like my first response was like i get the pride piece Mm -hmm. you know off of anger but depression was the one that was like interesting because the way he describes it is like you you press away mm-hmm. all of the things that are healthy mm-hmm. and then eventually you become like as a person depressed. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and so um what are you like what are your thoughts that are associated with like anger and depression? Yeah. That's good. Yeah, it definitely it feels like when we talk about <clears throat> anger, depression, like if I didn't know any of this stuff and you had just said, "Hey Matt, do you have anything to say about these three things?" Uh, passion, anger, and depression, I would be like, yeah, <laughs> that's like, those are the three descriptors of my entire like interior life up until a point, you know? Right. Um, and then, you know, sort of silence and contemplation has been sort of the neutralizing agent to those other three yeah. things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, I think my journey with that has really been that, um, hmm. 
I've often joked that what's the what's the um what's the script or the uh, verse in the epistles where Paul is talking about like hey look when it comes to the law like I know it backwards and forwards do you remember what I'm talking about like yeah when it comes to the law like um, yeah he's basically like when it comes to the law like I'm fluent in that language like if you want to talk law with me we can do that and then he kind of goes into like but Christ a life in Christ is is sort of a fulfillment of in and movement past in some ways the law like the law of love let's talk about that instead sure. but it, i've often joked that like that's me with anger like you want to talk about anger i know every type <laughs> i'm fluent in that language <laughs> right um if anyone which i kind of joked with you hey you're not going to out my band for me uh being angry all the time right because <laughs> if you don't fully understand the kind of music that we play it just seems like i'm angry right um but i would say and i would say that that was probably true at one point so for me um, I have struggled with depression, I would say probably for most of my life, uh, at least most of my like, you know, cognitive mm-hmm. life. But, but even as a, a kid, like I had separation anxiety and people talk about that with kids without really thinking like that's anxiety. You're having, a, sure. you're experiencing anxiety. Um, and I think what I learned that really helped me get caught. I was stuck in a cycle of depression and anger for sure. Um, And some of it was to avoid sadness. So one of the things that I learned in therapy in my mid to late 20s was like, you're not actually as angry as you think you are. You're actually sad and you're trying to get out of, you're trying to sort of like, again, if we think of anger as fuel, you're trying to get unstuck from the mud of sadness by spinning your wheels but it's just getting you deeper. Right. Does that make sense? You're, yeah. you're like, again, if you think of anger as fuel, well, when you're stuck in the mud and you do that dumb thing that we've all done at some point in our lives and slammed on the gas to try to get sure. out unstuck and you, then you're more stuck, you're giving all, you're, you're flooding your engine with the fuel of anger to try to get out of the sadness, but you're just digging yourself deeper. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so um, then that leads to depression. So you're sad you're not dealing with it. You try to get angry to like shake yourself out of it. But then you're not being angry. You're not letting your anger lead you to passion. And so it just leads you back into depression, which feels like sadness, which then starts you back into anger, which then leads you back into depression. Creates a loop. A loop, yeah. Yeah. Um, And so I was caught in that loop for a really long time. Um, I thought that – and it was interesting because it's like when you look at probably other people's perceptions of me as a child – I was smart. I was sensitive. Um, I was the kind of kid who would see something on the news and cry about it as if it had happened to me. Um, I can remember I read the, and I maybe talked about this on the show one uh, before. I read a Batman story that was about Batman like busting a um, child slave ring, um, and I had like a meltdown. <laughs> a, I probably wasn't old enough to like read something that real in a Batman yeah. comic. Yeah, um, <clears throat> but I just had a meltdown. Like I was so empathetic. I was so. I think I was sweet sensitive. Um, and so when I started gravitating toward punk rock and hardcore and heavy metal and like this angry, it was probably confusing for a lot of people. Cause it's like, but you're not real aggro. You don't like play contact sports. You're you've never gotten sent home for fighting, Yeah, you know, but what it was, was I was trying to, um, kind of shake myself out of it I probably had unprocessed anger and here's this great like art form that is basically just like dealing in the currency of anger all the time um and if you're not angry you're not doing it right yeah right does that make sense yeah um and so I got super into that and then I moved from sensitive kid to angry kid 
still sensitive at my core, but then really being defined by my anger, which over the span of about a decade eventually led me to um, being real scrappy and violent and um, almost going to jail for a very long time, uh, or not a very long time, but what would have been a life-changing amount of time um, because of a violent um, sure. situation. Um, and then didn't go to jail, was like, can't be angry anymore, back to sadness. Now I'm depressed for the next 10 yeah. years, you know, on and off. Right? But essentially, in the, if you're to look back at that time, and I know you've been public about sure. like, being on medication and yeah. stuff, but but there was, was, or I should say, was there, not there was, was there an element that you were in that loop, you're, you were still, even though you're on med, meds and yeah. stuff, you were still like pressing away what was healthy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The, the meds, I think for me, yeah. not true of everyone's journey, but yeah. for me became sort of like a buoy, um, if that makes sense. So like you don't want to live on a buoy, right? You need like a life preserver or a life, uh, a life jacket to stay afloat. But ultimately what you need, what you want is for like a boat to come along and pick you up and take you back to land. Right. right. And so it was necessary for me to keep from drowning to be to have sort of a, a journey of, of medication and needing help because I think what I learned in that whole journey and again I can't speak for everyone um, but for me is that my spiritual and psychological I'm going to say my spiritual and emotional um, health became a neurological reality right so I think there was a point at which stuff I wasn't dealing with stuff I was dealing with incorrectly some stuff I couldn't change like there was a point where it's like we have two kids i have to have a job that i hate right now um sure because we just have to live and i have to make this much money there you know stuff that i couldn't change a mixture of those things did eventually lead to a neurological reality where i kind of maybe it wasn't that it was impossible for me to regain control but it felt impossible yeah so i sort of needed a little you know chemical help um so i think the sort of the takeaway for me was spiritual realities began to manifest as physiological realities. Yeah. Um, does that make sense? It does. You know, it's interesting because I've talked to a couple of counselors around, you know, some of the stuff yeah. too, and, and you and I have had conversations around it. There is like a piece too of like how, like one counselor was like, you know, I just wish people would um, desire to not be on medication. Like mm-hmm. the, I want to phrase that the right way. It's yeah. not that some people shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. It It's that, the narrative shouldn't be for everybody. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was something that I really struggled with because even when it was working and I was feeling good, I always had that question in the back of my head of like, so I just take this for the rest of my life? Right. Yeah. It just seems weird, even though it's not. And I went into all the like, what's it doing to my liver? What's it doing to my brain? And even when I didn't find anything particularly bad, I still was like, yeah, but I have to do this for the rest of my life. That seems yeah. weird. Yeah. And so that always kind of hung with me. Um, and so, yeah, I think that for certain people having a goal of maybe one day being, um, I don't know, just your journey on that changing. Because yeah. uh, the other thing, too, is I might be on it again one day. Like, I don't know. You know? Sure. Yeah. I mean, just for like a regulatory element. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like there might be a situation in my life or something inside of me or whatever where I just kind of, it's like I have to wear a knee brace every once in a while. Like maybe, you know, I'm not going to say, oh, never. I'm cured of whatever or anything like that. But 
for me, it has been helpful to think of it in terms of like, ultimately I would like not to be, um, or to work to a place where I don't necessarily need this. Yeah. Um, all of that is just my story. So we're sure. no, I, never, no, no, never trying many, to give medical advice yeah, yeah, here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, again, my big takeaway was understanding that I got caught in a cycle of anger and sadness that led to depression, unprocessed anger and unprocessed sadness that led to depression. And then eventually that manifested as a real neurological, like I do believe at one point you could have cut, cut me open and looked at it and been like, oh yeah, like you're you've swung your pendulum so hard for so long that like you're not in like the analogy that you were using of you are now at the point of the hill where you're running down the sure. hill and you no longer that's a reality of gravity right that you you couldn't stop if you wanted to yeah um but also realizing that like there was a point when i was running down the hill and i could i could yeah. change or do better which uh, i think is like you know interesting part of these discussions around emotions is that you know with this one in particular is if if we learn mm. tools and mm. those tools are accessible to us yeah. and we we become more emotionally healthy there is the reality that keeping with the running down the hill and agile that you'll be able to run longer mm-hmm. and maybe the whole way someday yeah you know what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. and um but then and for for some folks that can't like it's not like a ne- necessarily yeah. a negative it's just like we should all have the desire to want to be healthier emotionally right. so that we're approaching whatever it is mm-hmm. in the right way. And then if there is a scenario that you need help, like yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I think another thing for me was realizing that you're not born necessarily clinically depressed. Um, or at least I wasn't, I wasn't right. born clinically depressed. I wasn't born anxious. Um, was I prone to that stuff because of family history? Yeah. You know, if you think of it as terms of like some people just based on some realities that go beyond whether it's neonatal or even before that was my, um, propensity to lose control of the hill running. Maybe it was my threshold, maybe a little lower than someone else. Sure. Um, but I kind of started to think of it as like, how dry is the tinder that you're about to light? Like, sure. Um, my, my depression, anxiety stick pile was, I was probably born with one that was a little drier than other people. So it was a little easier to light, Yeah, but there's still a match involved. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, there's still a point at which you can, for me that I realize like, Oh, but I, I can control the matches and like when they light. And then like, I can control whether or not it turns into a forest fire or not on some level with the right tools. Yeah. Um, Which, and, that'll make sense. Yeah. That, and that was big for me is just to realize that like um, there are things that I can do that are not um, chemical or medical um, alongside my chemical and medical assistance yeah. to sort of start to regain control. Maybe never completely wet the tinder. <laughs> that makes <laughs> right. sense. Yeah. But to gain more control over like when the match gets put to the keg. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah really clunky analogy but and i think that one of the ways i've seen that manifest in my life and this is something first off that i'm i am a little weird talking about because i never it's really easy to get into like lead singer ego mode and just like let me talk about my band but uh nobody cares like it's it's like the least commercially viable like we're never going to be a big deal so it doesn't matter but one of the ways i've seen it manifest in my life and this is something that i've thought about a lot especially knowing that there is a weird 
there will always be weirdness of like I am a pastor and also sing, singing a, a, a very aggressive sort of like, sure. you know, I'm part of this very sometimes anti-Christian subculture. Um, and that that's just part of, of my life and my ministry, honestly. Um, but I've thought about it a lot and really thought about, am I processing my anger or am I making it worse? Because there's other times when it hasn't been... I've said that it was cathartic to sing in a band or yeah. to play in a hardcore band or a punk band. I've said it's cathartic, but really it was more like stuffing more powder into the keg. Yeah. Um, it wasn't. I was just saying it was helping, but really <laughs> sure. making it worse. Yeah. And so I've like thought about that a lot. Is is this really helping? Is this healthy? It's yeah. something I'm always checking in on. And to bring it back to specifically what we're talking about, where I have seen the health come out Besides, like, yeah, I'm not on medication right now, and I'm still seeing a therapist regularly, and, you know, where I've seen the health come out is, like, with the band, it is passion. Like, if you've ever come and seen us yeah. or seen video on Instagram or whatever, what you're seeing sometimes is anger, but it's a passion for, you know, for justice, for yeah. for the gospel, or, or you know, for mm-hmm. sharing passages from Jeremiah, or um, I get a lot of grief uh, from... Corey, because he swears that one time I said the F in prophet Isaiah, but like I said, the actual <laughs> word um, at a show. Um, but but it's passion versus just like raw anger. Well, that's the difference between, and I, I mean, in the sermon I talked about it, but people get confused the difference between rage yeah. and passion. Mm-hmm. You know, rage is just screaming, I don't, I'm not getting what I want mm-hmm. and I'm going to hurt something and do something traumatic mm-hmm. or just let it all out as if that solved anything, mm-hmm. you know, whereas the passion is it's, it's driving us towards good things and yeah. healthy things. And, and I think even when we think about our anger, cause sometimes anger in the Christian world is always associated with like sin or yeah. evil or like you can't have good anger or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when you think about anger, that is just, or anger that does bring up passion towards the things of Jesus. Like mm-hmm. that's a good, yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and you know, I will say that, they do need, they coexist. There are times when I'm on stage and maybe there was just a shooting or something and, and you know, we have songs about hammering your swords into plowshares, right? And I'm just like, it sucks that my kids aren't safe at school. Like, yeah. this sucks. And I am angry. But it's an anger that pushes toward creating something, saying something, pointing back toward the gospel, pointing back toward nonviolence, yeah. like pointing back toward... It evol- you can actually see it in real time evolve into passion. Um, and when it doesn't, I have to check myself. Sure. You know, I talk to my bandmates. I talk to my therapist. Like I kind of say, like, you know, I wasn't in a good spot the other night. Um, but having, I think it's really important to have something. If you're not, you know, an artistic person, having something that is like a thermometer to check in, right? Like having... I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't know what it is for different people. For some people, maybe it is competition of just like, you know, (laughs) I noticed when we were like practicing the other night or um, we were playing ball the other night, like I was going beyond a passion to win into like a lot of anger. I'm sure you have played um, with no short amount of people and probably yourself experienced the like, oh, you're going to kill the referee. Or like you're going to yeah, you know, I mean, throw sure elbows and sometimes. you're not supposed to be throwing yeah. elbows. Um, and just like having something to keep the temperature of, is this anger or passion? And if it is anger, am I at least feeling it instead of allowing it to go into pride or depression? Yeah. Um, how do you feel like anger is linked to pride? Is that like, 
how does that manifest? Is that the sort of doubling down? You know, we talk a lot about people in political situations doubling down. Yeah. I, you know, there's a, I think the way that it often comes out, um, I mean, either for me or just in what I see in people is we see the pride build up because you get angry that you didn't get your way or angry that, um, it wasn't as successful as you thought it would be or Mm. whatever. And you pull back in a prideful mode of just saying like, I can do this on my own. I can separate Mm -hmm. myself from people. I can isolate. I can, um, it's, it's someone else's fault. I would never, you know, Mm -hmm. like that kind of stuff. It, that, that is where I see like anger, um, how it might come out in me or, Mm -hmm. or how, um, I've seen a lot in people, others too, that you just retreat to that because you're not actually fully processing the reality of, Mm -hmm. you know, um, what has happened before you, or it might, it might even come out in a way of like, kind of almost like that, you know, that prideful sarcasm. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the, there's like a difference between like sarcasm. That's kind of funny yeah. versus the, like the, you, you get kind of the superiority complex. Yeah, kind of like your, I'll do it. Cause I do everything. Yeah. Like, like and just you, let me do it. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like a prideful yeah. sarcasm around it. Yeah. It's kind of funny. It's like, um, cause pride and depression, I'm sure people, who struggle with both of those look at the other one as like, no, that's, that's, those aren't related. Right. But it's almost like the prideful person and the depressed person are both saying the same thing, which is I'm alone, but like with different tones of voice. Yeah. Like I'm the only one who kn-, versus the depressed person who's like, oh God, I'm so alone. Right. Like yeah. no one understands me. Yep. No one, yeah. That's interesting. But it lands you in the same spot. Yeah. To, to, I mean, not necessarily emotionally lands you in the same spot, but like, Almost it, physically and like it's a self, relationally. It's, yeah, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If yeah. you're a jerk, eventually you will be alone. Correct. And if you can't get out of bed, eventually you're everyone's just going to leave you in bed. Yeah. 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 It, it's interesting too, like someone asked me uh, in a joking way, like, what about if I'm provoked? Or mm-hmm. like they were, they were joking. They're like, if I've said something three times, mm-hmm. like and my anger builds, what do I do with that? And it's funny because even in some of those moments where we feel provoked or we feel mm. like justified in our anger, we do have to take a step back and ask ourselves, what am I actually being angry about? Mm-hmm. You know? And so, um, and if it's in the context of like a relationship or a friendship or a marriage, whatever, it's like, why did I, why am I so angry? Like, what is it? And it might be because I said something three times, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, what you're saying is I still didn't get what I wanted, which mm-hmm. was them to listen to you. Right. But then you peel back a little bit further and you're like, they didn't meet expectations. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, then then you start talking about, well, well how is our communication around that? And what's, you know, there, there's all these other underlying factors that come into those moments where we feel so provoked mm-hmm. that it isn't simply just something on the, like, right at the top. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always, there's always some other thing going on that is why mm-hmm. it's important to dig in. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, a, you know, thinking back on, I know we are trying to tread very lightly with the depression thing, um, which I think is good yeah. and and right for us to do. But when we think about, I think something that people really struggle with is that very simple question of like, was I born this way or did I make myself this way or did someone else make me this way? Like why? Because at the end of the day, when you're depressed, you're just like, this hurts and I don't, why? Sure. <laughs> like, why am I in this yeah. pain? I do think it's important to n- note that... Um, for sure, unprocessed anger leads to depression um, for, I think, everybody, pride or depression for everybody on some level. But there are things that some people are born with that are neurological realities that they have no control over that are chemical. Um, stuff like, well, like uh, um, 
if we would not have gotten cash into a different learning environment and he would have continued to be dyslexic in a um, non-dyslexic friendly environment, sure. he would have gotten, he was getting angry. He was angry that the other kids could spell and he couldn't, he was angry. And then he was starting to get depressed. Right. But those, that process was based on something that he had no control over and that Jenny and I really kind of don't think we had any control over. Sure. Maybe we could have made some different, choices when she was pregnant i I mean you know we don't know know. we don't know yet adhd dyslexia there's a couple of things autism there are things that we don't we're just not there yet where we can say like oh yeah take more vitamin whatever and you know during prenatal um but uh neurodivergence that is like you know we can look at a brain scan and say like your learning is different your processing is different um autism spectrum is another one dyslexia which um cash struggles with there are some things sure that are you're born with, you know, yeah. that, um, as far as we know right now, um, that are neurological realities that are part of prenatal development um, that can lead to an- unprocessed anger and depression or straight to alienation and depression. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean there's no reason that you're there and that you can't get tools to help work on it. You sure. know, it doesn't still, but does that make sense? Like it I, does. I yeah. It doesn't, for yeah, yeah. It doesn't abdicate the responsibility to learn tools either. That's you know, right. like there's yep. like a piece to that. Yeah, and that's a th- big thing that I have struggled to learn as a counselor, uh, pastoral counselor, but that I have received from people with way more education than I do, or way more, you know, um, letters behind their name. One of the great uh, pieces of wisdom is you either believe that at some level everyone has a choice or not. Meaning that, like, even if you have highly acute um, disorders, um, there is a point at which everyone has some glimmer of a will to say something's wrong and I need help. You know, even if yeah. you are schizoaffective, DID, like really, really intense stuff, um, everyone at some point, we have to believe if we were to have any hope for anyone getting better. Even if even if that little bit of flexing your will just looks like saying I need to talk to somebody about medicine, sure, um, yeah. and, and getting on medicine or whatever. But at some point, if we don't believe, if we believe that someone is so far gone with whatever their issues are, that they can't, they can never have one moment of clarity to say, "Hold on, I got to do something," or "I need to talk to somebody," or "I need," then there's really almost nothing we can do. I mean, that, like, right. what's the point in even learning to be a counselor or a therapist or right. a psychiatrist, psychologist? Yeah. There's just like, oh, this is beyond. You know, we have to believe that. No different than if you're an oncologist or somebody who deals with cancer or other, you know, um, seeming death sentences or seeming like, oh, there's no hope. This is. You have to have that little glimmer of hope that, like, there's this one thing we can do. Yeah. There's this one step we can take. Sure. And so, yeah, everyone has one step that they can take. For just sure. got to figure out what that is and acknowledge it's not the same for everybody. Yeah. yeah. And typically the one step, I mean, typically leads to another. For sure. You know, and that doesn't mean it's going to be all clean and easy, mm-hmm. but it typically does. Yeah. Yeah. Usually there's another step after that. Yeah. But it's taking that first step. And sometimes, I mean, gosh, sometimes that does feel impossible. Sure. I, I think I've said to you before, depression, for me, the best descriptor I've ever heard is that it feels like quicksand. Yeah. And... um when you do training to actually be in parts of the world where there is actual quicksand, I feel like I always thought quicksand was like a cartoon thing. Like it's not real, but it does actually exist in the world. And I heard one time that when they train you 
um, to deal with quicksand, what they tell you is that when you get stuck in it, stay still and call for help because the harder you struggle, the faster you sink. Yeah. And that's, that was like the best analogy for depression I'd ever heard. And I had to learn that, okay, I'm about hip deep in this. Whether it was my fault that I got here or a circumstance or chemicals or whatever, I'm about hip deep in this thing. I need to be still and know, yeah. you know, be still and know, right? Be still and know that God is good. God loves me and that there's someone who can help me if, if I just ask the right questions or, or call for help. There's an interesting, uh, in the story of Elijah in first mm-hmm. Kings 19, um, it's like an interesting kind of biblical, it's simplistic in its, in its view, but like when you see Elijah working through depression in that yeah. moment, you know, when he enters into this conversation, uh, with the angel there with God there, there's a part of it where it says like, you need to get up, mm-hmm. you need to eat, mm-hmm. you need to walk, um, and you need to listen. And it's like an interesting element because, um, you know, just through like hearing part of your story and like some other folks that have like talked about depression, it's like, there is like correlation of like this kind of idea of like, all right, to your point, silence and listening to God, mm-hmm. but to get up, mm-hmm. to eat well, like nourish yourself, mm-hmm. to exercise. Like there's some elements to yeah. um, even just kind of biblically being like, hey, this is like can be the starter package, but like there is there are some truths here biblically even like around yeah. depression. Yeah, and if you read that story of Elijah of him laying under the broom tree, like sounds like clinical depression right. to me. Yeah. Like, dude's yeah, depressed, yeah. you know? He can't get up. He yeah. literally can't get out of bed. Can't. He just wants to lay down and die. Yeah. Um, and I think where it gets frustrating for people is, like, you, when, when I was at my lowest, I would hear sort of, like, exercise more. Sure, Nobody yeah, wants yeah. to. I, I really, truly, if you're a good doctor, you will be very careful about how you tell somebody. Because whether it's true or not, right? Like, yeah. uh, if I say something without love, I'm but a clanging gong. Like, Paul's real clear that if you, sure. say, if you say something true, but you say it the wrong way, it comes, it falls on deaf ears, right? Um, that you could just kind of get caught in this binary of will it cure me or won't it? Right. Or you get caught in the binary of I can't be cured and this is just who I am. That's also a binary. So trying to think of it non- um, in a non-dual black and white way mm-hmm. of just like, no, yeah, going for a walk every day will not cure your clinical depression. Is it going to make it worse? No. Right. Is it going to help you at least like stabilize so that you can figure out what your next steps are? Yes. Yeah, sure. eating better, sleeping better. Like, no, it's not going to cure you. Like, and you're right. The person who told you like, oh, just exercise more, sleep better is a jerk. Yeah. Sure. But is it going to make you worse? No. Will it maybe help stabilize you so that you can get the help you need? It will. Yeah. Um, that was I saw a tweet the other day where somebody was like, um, "I am regret. I, I regret to inform everyone that exercise did in fact help me. <laughs> that exercise <laughs> does in fact help, or whatever." And it was really funny. Um, but yeah, like that. That um, getting out of the non-dual, non-binary, you know, binary. Like it's either going to cure me or it's not. Yeah. Um, I think will at least help lower your frustration with it and will help lower your frustration with maybe people who, yeah, kind of are writing you off. It's like the thoughts and prayers thing. Yeah, we should pray sure. for people, but yeah. like how you say it has all the difference. It matters. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but also for folks, when you're in a depressive state, you kind of just expect the worst of everyone. So I think sometimes it can stop you from hearing the love in someone's voice because what you hear is just like, let me fix you. Yeah. Um, and that's... 
sticky. It's a sticky situation. It's interesting. You you know, you talk about the non-dual element because, you know, when you think of it in depression and that side of things, it's kind of one view. And then you have the other view of anger where maybe it's on the prideful side, whatever, mm-hmm. that feels more passionate or rageful mm-hmm. that you also can have the not like you, you can't just think of it in like a black and white way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because there's think about like the protests you know, mm-hmm. that we're here in Richmond or whatever the protests have been about, whether it's like abortion and Roe v. Wade or, mm-hmm. you know, um, <clears throat> when everything happened with George Floyd here and everything. But you think about even the protests that, like that, you can't just think of it in like this dualistic way. Because mm-hmm. like certain, like just because someone's like really raging against what's like what happened, there's mm-hmm. a piece of that that you're like, yes, that's a passion towards justice. Mm-hmm. But that, if that's not true passion towards justice, all of a sudden it becomes destructive, you know, and, yeah. and hurtful and actually yeah. doesn't, it doesn't help anything. And if you're a Christian, it doesn't bring us to the reality of who Jesus is. And mm-hmm. so, so it's like, even like, like you have the depression conversation, but you also have like the more demonstrative rage conversation. Yeah. That's like, you can't think of that simplistically either. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you feel justified on your rage towards something on the front end, the reality is, is if it, it becomes prideful or just centered on rage, you become a d- destructive force that isn't helpful or bringing anyone towards justice either. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of, I think a lot of where that gets confused is sort of where we've blurred the lines between creativity and communication. Um, meaning like social media stuff. It's like, if you, need to express your rage in some way um and help you know there are healthy ways to do that although ultimately the goal is not to get to raging right right? but for instance it's like i mean read some of the more poetic parts of the bible it's just like stuff in there that's like eh, that's a lot you know sure Um, whether it's ecclesiastes or psalms like there's time in psalms where it's almost like accusatory toward god which is we would say is blasphemy yeah but because it's in the content and the context of of poetry of like, I'm just saying how I feel right now. Don't take this as like yeah. my statement moving forward. The processing. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, well, you know, you, we think of the word outrage, right. And like outrage doesn't seem to be working that well. All of the outrage, <laughs> you know, outrage, sure. Out rage, yeah. you know, it is to express your rage, um, in healthy ways, uh, in contextualized ways where you can say like, no, no, no. I was just feeling this way. That's why I wrote this song. Or I was just feeling this way. That's why I wrote this poem or this journal entry. But that's not who I am. That's yeah. not how I'm going to conduct myself moving forward. I just needed to express it. Yeah. I think it's important, but also we've sort of been robbed of it a little bit because we think that Twitter is poetry or Instagram yeah. is poetry or whatever, or the news is art. It's not. Right. <laughs> you know, like that this is, that's outrage. That's just doing nothing. Yeah. I mean, really, we're spending like 45 minutes just like trying to, do what Mr. Rogers did in a sentence, which is maybe this whole podcast. <laughs> um, what do you do with all the anger you feel? With all the, he said, what do you do with all the mad you feel? That's what he says to the kids. Mm. What do you do with all the mad you feel? First off, you got to feel the mad. Well, it makes me choked up. <laughs> Don't talk about Mr. Rogers. Um, what do you do with all the mad you feel? Because ultimately the Bible teaches us that no bad tree will bear good fruit. Right. You know, so... If good fruit comes from all the mad you feel, then you know you're processing it. 
Um, and whether that's like big social change or starting an organization or yeah. making art or whatever, you're going to know from like, what's the fruit of it? Yeah. So at the end of the day, just hear Mr. Rogers in your head. What do you do with all the mad? At the end of the day, save yourself 39 minutes. Yeah. Save yourself two <laughs> idiots talking for 40 minutes. Um, Anything else, John? No, I'm good. Yeah. All right. Well, if you guys have questions, quips, comments, or quotes, if you're furious or rageful at us and you'd like to let us know, you can do that by emailing staycurious at hillcityrva.com. Leave um, a rate or a review. Share the episode so others can get in on the conversation. And until next time, remember, as always, to stay curious. curious.